Good afternoon, this is Ketchell Kirkham with Looking Up. A few minutes at the end of the week to think about astronomical things. Those of you who'd like to know more about astronomy, I can recommend the annual Sky Guide, now in its 77th year of printing. This is improved each year and annotated with celestial events for the year ahead. So the Sky Guide Africa South 2022, the Astronomical Handbook for Southern Africa, is now available from bookshops and is published by Strake Nature, which joins forces with the Astronomical Society of Southern Africa. This is used by beginners, amateurs and professionals alike who want to know what's up, the meteor showers, eclipses and other celestial wonders. It has handy sections for each month and chapters covering specific topics filled with charts and pictures to aid understanding. So at the moment it's conference season for astronomers. This is one of the mainstays of modern knowledge producers as they meet and greet, give talks and generally consolidate relationships, meet new friends and old colleagues and share information. It's a very important ritual tradition in academia. But how do they work in the era of Covid? Well, we're fortunate here in Cape Town at the moment as we've come down from a high wave of infections to a very low one, so people are confident to meet face to face. But for many international travellers, it's not so easy. What has happened, particularly over the last few years, is that new tools and techniques and styles of event have arisen to allow better remote participation. Online informal gathering places allow people to recreate the serendipitous encounters and introductions that happen at a live conference. Other commentary spaces are designed for people to chat about a live talk, exchange information and ask questions of the speaker without having to be physically present. This is not, however, only for COVID avoidance. This is also because international travel is disruptive to family life. It's tiring, costly and, most of all, environmentally unfriendly to whiz about the planet on airplanes. So conference-goers are now getting choosy about actually attending conferences in person, even though it's more exciting to do so and in many ways more rewarding. It's not only academic conference-goers who are concerned about the environmental impact of sending things into the atmosphere. There are more and more rockets being launched as the uses for satellites increases and not all rocket fuels are equal. There is a particular fuel called UDMH, which Space.com says is named the Devil's Venom by Soviet scientists. It's very poisonous, carcinogenic to humans, and so the report says has soaked Kazakh soil, rendering a vast area of the steppe into an ecological disaster. This fuel also powers the first four generations of China's Long March rockets and is still in use. In Western countries, this kind of propellant is only used for satellite propulsion and for the very upper stages where it doesn't come in contact with the atmosphere. Solid rocket motors help many heavy-lift rockets off the ground. Uh, most well-known are possibly the solid rocket boosters of NASA's space shuttles, which burned a mixture of aluminium and ammonia and were not exactly an environmental win. Some components of rocket fuel may worsen global warming by depositing aluminium oxide particles in the upper layer of the atmosphere. Hybrid rocket engines burn solid fuel with liquid or gaseous oxidizer. Most famously, this technology is used by Virgin Galactic in their suborbital Spaceship 2 space planes, which take tourists for short flights to the edge of space and back. These engines are relatively simple and safe to operate, but scientists are not impressed with their environmental side effects. Soot particles, or black carbon, just like particles of aluminium oxide, can affect how the atmosphere absorbs heat. 
But it could be that the amount of fossil fuels burnt by the space industry is only about 1% of that burned by aviation. There are some fuels which are friendlier to the environment, such as liquid oxygen and liquid hydrogen, but it's not suitable for lifting a big rocket off the ground. The good news is that there are startups experimenting with biofuels, but it'll be some time before these alternatives become a reality. And lastly, I can report that the Lucy probe launched on October the 16th and bound for a stack of asteroids around Jupiter is still having trouble with its solar array. And lastly, I can report that the Lucy probe launched on October the 16th and bound for a stack of asteroids around Jupiter is still having trouble with its solar array, which has not properly unfurled. Oh dear. Well, for now, this is Kettle Kirkham wishing us clear skies. Yeah.